Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. I don't believe that you could ever truly do a destination or check a destination off its list. Even if you are revisiting the same city, there's so many different aspects and facets of that city. And, and cities and countries and continents are living and breathing things. So they're changing and evolving all the time. That was today's guest, Onika Raymond, who is an Emmy award-winning television host. She actually hosts a couple of shows for the Travel Channel. She's a lifestyle correspondent for NBC New York. She's an award-winning journalist. She's a speaker. She hosts the About the Journey podcast. She does it all. She really does it all. But at the heart of it, she's a traveler, and a storyteller. And she's been to 120 countries on six continents, has lived abroad for many, many years. And we cover a load of topics in today's show. You'll hear her top three cities you must visit in your lifetime, three books everyone should read, the difference between being nomadic and being an expat, and what made her and her husband decide to take an adult gap year. Some key factors you should consider when finding a place to settle down, why she chose the USA as a base, which is her home country, She shares some advice around storytelling, which is really at the core of her work and what it takes to tell a great story. And storytelling is a part of all of our lives, whether you're sharing your life story during a job interview or your work history, maybe you're sharing the story of your company if you run your own company, maybe you're just swapping travel tales with friends. Storytelling for humans is really a part of our daily lives. And when somebody who has won an Emmy Award for their storytelling wants to share some advice on it, you can bet my ears are perked up to the sky. So you're going to hear her advice on how to understand and connect with your audience as a storyteller, the importance of adaptability and humility as a storyteller. And she gets into some other topics, somewhat related, how to tackle perfectionism head on, faking it until you make it, stories from behind the scenes of working as a television personality, and much, much more All of that coming in the interview, plus I'm going to have a little addition of a segment I like to call Encouraging Travel News. I'll give you a little glimpse today of what is being done recently to improve the tourism industry in the future. And I want to give a shout out to a listener who pointed out some things you have to face as a long-term or full-time traveler that isn't always given much attention leading up to a big trip. All of that and more happening right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're 
listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. How are you today, my friend? I hope this finds you well. I don't know about you, but this time of year, kind of creeping up towards the end of the year and the holidays and all, you start thinking about where you're going to travel next year. And if you haven't been already, I think it really ramps up this time of year. I know that that's definitely on the forefront for me. And maybe we got to do an episode on that, some travel goals. You want to set some travel goals together? That could be a fun future episode. But let's talk about today's episode. You heard at the top all the things we have going on. One of the topics we cover is storytelling. And I had to know what is the longest story ever told? How do you even quantify that? I had these questions. I had to look it up. I'll give you the answer. No, contrary to what my wife might say, it's not my old stories from my nomad days working uh, random jobs all over the place. <laughs> Although sometimes she actually asks me before she's going to bed, hey, can you just tell me some stories so I can fall asleep? So, you know, she says she's, it's because she likes the sound of my voice. I, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> anyway, there's a reason why this is an interview show and not a me telling stories all the time show. <laughs> I don't want to put you to sleep. So anyway, I'll choose to believe that it's because she likes the sound of my voice and it helps her relax. I'm just going to choose to believe that. <laughs> okay, when I Googled the longest story ever told, I, I wasn't sure what was going to come up. But what came up was the longest novel. That makes sense. A novel is a story. How long could the longest novel be? Well, according to the Guinness WorldRecords.com, Marcel Proust, very famous French writer, the English translation of his gigantic monster of a novel is In Search of Lost Time, Apparently, it is 9 million, yes, 9,609,000 characters. That's how they judge this. They estimated the number of characters, and each letter counts as one character. Spaces are also counted as one character each. So, the again, the title translation, In Search of Lost Time, I guess when it was first translated into English, it was called a remembrance of things past. So I guess the guy had a lot to remember, or at least a lot to include. I don't even know if my Kindle has enough room to contain that anymore. <laughs> Time for an upgrade. Has anybody read that, by the way? If you have, please get in touch. And this is a good time to give you a gentle reminder to get in touch anyway. Jason at zerototravel.com is my email address. And you can always leave me a voicemail. I'll leave the link in all of the show notes. No email required. Just click the link and leave a message. You can also, if you haven't done so, sign up over at zerototravel.com to hop on the newsletter, which has started to go out again weekly. So if you want more updates off the podcast and some personal pictures I'm taking just around Norway and different things going on, that's where you can get it all. Totally free. Now, 
Let's get into this interview. Stick around on the back end. Of course, I am going to give a shout out to a listener who brought up a good point. Something that's overlooked when you're planning a a longer term trip, a gap year. Um, Something that's not talked about enough, maybe, but something to be aware of if if you're not aware of it. Not maybe something to give too much attention to. I don't want it to stop you from traveling, but just something to be aware of. So I'll share that. I also had a listener write in and share a nice quote. So that'll be the quote of the day. I'm trying to bring as much of the community aspect as possible. This community powered show. So the quote will be provided by a listener as well. And we will do a little segment I'm calling encouraging travel news. Get a couple positive updates in the travel space. Stick around on the back end for all of that. For now, please enjoy my conversation with a wonderful Onika Raymond. You can learn more about her at onikaraymond.com. Again, lifestyle journalist, writer, Emmy award-winning TV host. She does it all. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the other side, my friend. I'm on with Onika Raymond, who is an award-winning journalist, speaker, podcast host, an Emmy award-winning television host, and your mission is to educate, empower, and encourage exploration. And I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast. The first one we did was way back in 2016. So, Stone Ages, and there have been a lot of changes, a lot of great changes since then. So, yeah, I'm happy to be back and be chatting with you. And uh, yeah, let's let's get this going. Thank you. Yeah, I want to talk about sort of nomad life and and some of the other things. But in terms of education, I guess this ties in with, I was wondering how you ended up getting a place in Miami because you you guys have been nomadic for a while. And, you know, to say you're well-traveled is like an understatement (laughs) of the century, right? You've been to 118 countries, I guess now, six continents. I mean- over 120 now. Okay, yeah, I have it's to funny. update I, that. I, I feel as though I've, I've slowed down a fair bit. I feel as though now I really revisit countries that I adore. For example, I, gosh, I've been to Italy four on four different, no, five different trips this year. And I'm actually going back to Italy next week. So I've, I've been to Italy a lot this year. And I think the only new country that I've traveled to, and keep in mind we're in October, it's October now. The only new country I traveled to this year was um, St. Kitts and Nevis. So uh, this really differs from previous years where I was visiting 20, 25 new countries uh, in a year. Uh, but I'm not mad at it. I think travel is, uh, I don't truly believe that you could ever, I, I don't believe that you could ever truly do a destination or check a destination off its list. Even if you are revisiting the same city, there's so many different aspects and facets of that city. And and cities are, are and countries and continents are living and breathing things. So they're changing and evolving all the time. So I think it's it's kind of naive to say, okay, well, I've been to Norway once, which I have probably in like 2012, I went to Western Norway um, to say that I... I've seen Norway or that I've, I, I've experienced all Norway has to offer is, is pretty, is pretty naive. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been traveling a, a fair bit, but there's still so much to see and so much to learn. Yeah. Well, given your travel experience and having to passports or the, I, I assume you, you can have permissions uh, to be in Germany 
being uh, through marriage, I guess. And it sounds yeah. like yeah. Uh, Kira has yeah. two passports. So um, he does. Yeah, I guess. How did you choose Miami? Because you picked a lot of places to purchase. I mean, again, it could just be more of an investment decision. But I'm just wondering, having seen so much of the world, yeah, kind of what you guys are thinking as a family unit in, in terms of like where you're investing your money and wanting to have places like you have a little plan around that or just curious. Yeah. You know, it, it's so funny because um, as you mentioned, my family and I have been nomadic since May of 2021. So it's been almost a year and a half that we have not had a permanent uh, address as such. And, and we've been traveling around and basically the idea around that was, to, um, I guess after being cooped up, you know, being the, the pandemic being what it was when things started to open up again, I think as a lot of people did, you know, we saw this, this great resignation take place. I guess that's what they call it. Um, a lot of people realizing that their lives as they knew them had been completely upended and also realizing that life was really short. So why not get out there and, and do the things that you've always wanted to do? Uh, so my husband and I, I mean, we met in Hong Kong many years ago. We met on the road. We both really love traveling. We're passionate about traveling. But we, you know, before the or when the pandemic hit, we had been living in New York City for about four and a half, five years. And my husband worked in finance. So he had a job, a nine to five or eight to six, given that his finance. Uh, that he was going to every day. And I had quit my teaching job. I used to teach uh, overseas. I used to teach in international schools as a uh, like a, a secondary school teacher and team leader. Uh, and so I was working kind of in the travel media space, uh, working, um, I was a working journalist, freelance writer, TV host, doing all those things, but based in New York. So having a fixed permanent address. And then the pandemic hit and we couldn't go anywhere. And we had enjoyed traveling from New York, weekend trips, longer trips that were, you know, two weeks or so. But we couldn't do anything. And so when the world started to open up again, we thought, well, what the heck? Like, what, like, what are we really doing with our lives? And for all the travel we had done prior to the pandemic, neither one of us had ever truly been nomadic. We had been serial expats, you know, between us, we lived in, gosh, maybe like seven different countries, eight different countries. Uh, I know for myself, I was born and raised in Canada, but I lived in France, England, Hong Kong, uh, and Mexico, and then the U.S., obviously. Uh, my husband was born and raised in Germany, but he, um, in addition to the countries I, I just mentioned, he also lived in the Netherlands as well. We had never been nomadic. We never had that experience. Uh, and so we thought, well, let's do an adult gap year. <laughs> this shouldn't only be reserved for, for kids going into college or university yes. or what have you. And we thought, <laughs> we have this baby and she doesn't need to be in school. So we we kind of have some time. We we have a little bit of time to play around with before she like really needs to be in school because I don't think I could homeschool my child, even though I'm an educator, former educator. I don't, I, I want my child to be like in a school setup. Um, and so we just, we just took off, you know, we, we had the money, we had the time, we had the freedom and we took off and it's been great. We knew that 
this would have an expiration date. We knew that we weren't going to be nomadic forever. And so when we started looking at places that we wanted to settle, um, obviously there were some strong contenders. My husband being European, we thought, okay, well, maybe we could settle in Germany. But I don't know. I think after living in the U.S. for so long, and especially, um, you know, working in this industry, like the the media space, uh, I thought that the U.S. was kind of a good place for me to be. Also, in terms of like my family, um, proximity to my family. Um, And (laughs) it sounds terrible, but you just get used to certain things like I'm used to the things being open on Sundays. I mean, it sounds so basic, but just kind of being able to, I I think the, the entrepreneurial spirit in the U S as well is like so alive and well, um, and working in this industry, you know, being able to, to be close to New York and LA, um, was really important to me. Um, and so we settled on Miami because, well, New York is, is too cold and too expensive. California is too far West. I didn't, I, you know, we didn't like being in that time zone. We also wanted to have proximity to Europe and flying, you know, to Europe from the West coast of the U S, uh, is just like an extra few hours and, and more costly for me. I guess I couldn't picture really picture being any based anywhere else in the u.s because um you know time zone diversity taxes you know so we started looking at at what options were available to us south florida seemed like a really good idea because of the climate because of the time zone um because of that diversity you know, I've realized traveling around the world and living in all these places that, you know, as a as a black woman, I want to be somewhere where people look like me or kind of resemble me or where I can get, you know, where I can where, where I can, you know, in, I don't know, I guess kind of engage in, in cultural, I don't know, aspects of a place that resonate with me. Um, and South Florida has a very large, particularly in, in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, there's a very large Caribbean population. My family's from Jamaica. Um, and I just love how diverse it is here. You know, you walk out in the streets and the the language that you hear the most is Spanish, to be quite honest with you, like everybody speaks Spanish here. It is incredible. Like the Hispanic diaspora here is insane, which I absolutely love. Um, and so I don't know, it just started making sense. And then obviously from an economical aspect as well, real estate in Florida, uh, even though it's been going up since the pandemic, it's still far more affordable to live in Florida than many of the other States that we would be interested in. Um, and then a huge thing as somebody who runs my own business was the tax situation. There are no state taxes in Florida. So living and working in New York City, particularly as a freelancer, is so expensive because there's state tax, there's city tax, and obviously there's federal tax. And in Florida, that goes away. There are six, I believe there are six uh, states in the United States um, that do not have a state tax, uh, Florida being one of them. 
Um, Washington State being another. Texas is another one. Nevada is another one. And when I looked or when we looked at those other places, we thought, nah, (laughs) Florida seemed to be the most, um, I guess, attractive of them all. And it's interesting, though, because obviously politically, we do not jive with Florida. (laughs) Florida is very much a Republican state. Uh, And we are extremely liberal, which is probably not probably not uh, probably not surprising to most people who would be listening to the podcast or most people who know me. Um, But I do feel as though South Florida is kind of a different kettle of fish. and, And so we're able to. Um, express ourselves and just kind of live the way we want here in South Florida. Um, and a lot of people ask me why, you know, why did you not um, settle in Europe? Because my husband is European. My husband is from Germany. Um, a lot of people love Germany. It's, it's, you know, super progressive as a country and and things like that. Um, but, you know, I don't know, just living in Germany and and, you know, I've had since particularly over the last year where we spent a lot of time in Germany. Um, I think it just didn't resonate with me culturally. And I think for um, a, a big part of it is for my daughter as, as a woman of color, you know, she will be, you know, she's, she's biracial, but she's, you know, to look at her, she is Brown you know, she's half black. She's half white. Um, she's, half German. She's American by nationality because she was born in the U.S. She has Jamaican roots and Canadian roots. Um, Germany, even though in in cities like Berlin, which is where my husband's from, you know, it's it's quite racially and culturally diverse. it, It wasn't enough for me. And I didn't want my daughter to be or to have the experience of being the only Black girl or being the only English speaking girl, you know what I mean? That really factored into it. And, and that was, that was something that I didn't realize was really important to me until I was in, until I was in Germany, like spending extended periods of time in Germany. And I thought, no, I don't, I don't want that for my child. So we're trying out Florida. We'll see how it works out. And the best thing uh, about the world as it is right now is that you know, we, we have options and, and we can move if it doesn't suit us. So that in a very long winded response is why <laughs> we decided to settle. And I put settling quotations in <laughs> South Florida. <laughs> no, but I think that's, there's a lot to unpack there. That's super helpful. And I, I mean, I love the attitude at the end, just kind of like, well, if it doesn't work out, then we'll just move. I mean, that's always good to remind yourself, but just the intentionality behind I mean, there are a lot of layers to that, right? You know, you guys were very intentional with why you chose a place, mixing, you know, career and and what you want the childhood to look like. Yeah, totally. I'm a huge fan of like, I feel like sometimes it can be that people end up in a place because of circumstance. And and we all know some of those circumstances are unavoidable, but there are also some that, that are avoidable. And when you have some intentionality behind where you live, it's just kind of nice because then you're, you're, I guess you're just more aligned on a daily basis with your values and the things that you want to be around. And that feels good, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that I've come to learn, and I, I almost feel as a lot of travelers um, kind of poo-poo the U.S., particularly American travelers, to be honest with you, like people, people, people who like, like yourself, perhaps who have, who have traveled extensively and live overseas um, 
tend to look on the U.S. and be like, oh, well, the U.S. is like so backwards and, and this, that, the other. Um, but I think there are definitely, I guess for myself as a Canadian person, uh, I'm kind of an outsider looking in, right? And uh, I've realized that there are a few places in the world, and, and don't get me wrong, the U.S. has a lot of things wrong with it, but there are a few places in the world where you can just kind of arrive and, and, and do your thing. And obviously there are restrictions based on, you know, where you're born and, and, and all of that. But I, I do feel as though um, the fact that people call the U.S. the land of opportunity isn't necessarily wrong. Um, I feel as though there are a lot of opportunities here to, to do something with yourself, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, ways that are not necessarily supported in in places or countries that have uh, more of a, a socialist government, I guess. Um, I feel as though entre- entrepreneurship and innovation uh, is not as staunchly supported or appreciated in Germany, for example. Mm. We'll be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos, and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. Well, yeah, this is interesting because I I thought about this. I'm glad we're getting onto this topic too because one of the big themes I want to hit with you is getting some advice on making the transition from employee to entrepreneur, which as we know, can be a 
an interesting <laughs> time in life, you know? I've thought about this in Norway because I I hear you on that. I think that, yeah, I don't know if it's the social system that stymies the entrepreneurial sort of spirit, or maybe not the spirit, but just the I guess we could say innovation or or, or something. Or, or well, it's not this, but... to, to be an entrepreneur in at least in in uh, in Germany. You know, well, it's more difficult here. Well, some things are more difficult here, but but then I thought about this, and because I have the American perspective, you know, one thing is with uh, the social safety net here. Yes, I, I sometimes I'm like, well, actually it's much easier to be an entrepreneur if maybe people were thinking about it that way or they were embracing it because if you screw up, you're not going to like, <laughs> probably you're not going to lose your home or, right. you know, but if you don't have health insurance. People people are like, well, I have it good. So why would I struggle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it could be like the mindset you bring to the system, maybe. Totally. In totally. I will say of all the places I've lived in the world, I have never seen people as hungry to do and to innovate and to express themselves as I did at, like when I lived in New York. Like New York is a different beast. I love being in New York because energy is New York City, I should specify, because the energy is just unreal. Like people are just doing so many things and I'm just constantly inspired. I mean, going on the subway and seeing the, the performers you know, in the, in, in the New York underground. I mean, that's incredible to me. I'm so inspired by the creativity and the innovation. And I don't get that feeling in many other places in the world. And so, again, I think as, as somebody who is an entrepreneur, as someone who is an artist and creator, um, like that vibe really resonates with me. Yes. Something magical in the air in New York City, mm -hmm. no doubt. Totally. Like as soon as you get on the street or like I used to get out on Penn Station and take the train up or whatever. And then you're just like, wow, there is like a pulsating vibe of creativity and art and madness. And I don't even know what else. <laughs> but as a creator, I I love your work. Huge fan. I should just say that. And I want to dive into some of the stuff that You've, you've kind of worked on and just kind of get your uh, advice on this transition from employee to entrepreneur, but also working in travel and, and some of the other stuff. And I, I love how, by the way, congrats on the Emmy for your TV Thank work. You. That's, that's sick, right? Like, wow. <laughs> how did that feel? Yeah. You know, it was, it was really cool. I mean, my, my, career has had such an evolution. You know, I started out working in education. I started out teaching overseas, really. And, and, and the reason I had gone overseas, well, the reason I got into teaching was because that was a means to go overseas. Let's be real. Yeah. And then right. when I <laughs> came or when I moved to, yeah, like, let's be real. It was fun, but I did it because I was, that was my means to be overseas because you know, I am an older millennial and back in the day, there was no such thing as being a digital nomad. The, the, the internet was, was not what it is now. And so working remotely was not a possibility. And so if you went overseas, you either worked in the military uh, or you were like a nurse or something, or you worked for the foreign service or you worked in education um, for the most part. And those were kind of the options that were available to me. And so I, I got into teaching. 
um, because I knew I'd be able to travel tons on my holidays. <laughs> and that's, and that's why I was overseas. That's why I was teaching. But when I moved to New York city in 2016, I thought, well, I do not want to teach in the New York public school system or in the New York independent school system. And so I, I moved, I made the move to working as a, as, as a, somebody in travel media, I guess you could say travel content creator. Um, but yeah, it was such a, a cool evolution because I moved to New York City. I knew that I wanted to get into hosting and working on air. And it was such a, a New York thing. You know, I started working for NBC New York. I started uh, freelance reporting for them. And that is ultimately what I won the Emmy for. And it's a beautiful thing because I was able to tell the stories I wanted to tell. You know, the, 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 the station really gave me the opportunity and the, the breath to, to tell the stories that I wanted to tell, um, which uh, are primarily stories about, um, you know, BIPOC, uh, BIPOC people, BIPOC businesses, BIPOC endeavors, innovations. And so it's really cool to do that. And, you know, we never do anything. You should never do anything, um, for like the external, uh, rewards, I guess you could say, but I think it just reinforced the idea that what I was doing was the right thing and a good thing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you touched on storytelling. I mean, you won an award for your storytelling and, and you, you do such an incredible job of that in all mediums. And, I think uh, storytelling is an important skill for everybody in some ways, right? Like if you're somebody who comes in for a job interview, you got to kind of tell the story of yourself, right? Yeah, if you're absolutely. a creator, obviously you're telling different stories of maybe yourself or others. So yeah, I'm just, I just want to hear your advice around storytelling. What, what makes a great story? What are some of the things that you're looking for? What do you implement? Yeah, you know, I think... What makes a great story? I mean, I think um, I think it's really, gosh, that's like such a huge question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, I mean, what, no, 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 that's the problem. I mean, what, what does it take to tell a good story? I mean, I think authenticity is key. Uh, but I also think knowing, knowing your audience is really important. What do people want to hear? What are the stories that need to be told? What do people crave? Um, what will resonate with, with the public that you are trying to reach? And I think that you could be an excellent orator, but not a great storyteller because you are unable to connect with your audience. And that connectivity is what story telling or good storytelling is all about. So I always think from the perspective of the listener, and again, your target audience is going to be different. It really depends on who you are talking to. Who is your public? Who is your audience? Who are you trying to transmit this message to? But when I'm coming up with ideas or, or information that I want to disseminate, I always think of who I'm trying to reach and why would they care? And I think that any good storyteller will be able to evolve and move with the times. 
um, and not stagnate. So even for myself, when I, when I look back at the different media or mediums that I've, I've used as a vessel of storytelling, things have changed so drastically. Oh my goodness. Even the last time we spoke, which was what, 2015, 2016, Social media was still kind of in its nascent stages. You know, like we had Facebook, obviously, um, where people were posting statuses, sharing articles and whatnot. But even in 2016, Instagram was not what it is today. TikTok didn't exist, right? And blogs were still kind of a thing, whereas once upon a time, they were not. Podcasts were still trying, you know, still kind of a burgeoning medium, um, like in terms of um, being in the mainstream, I guess you could say. Um, and so it was just a different time. We told stories differently. I, I Sometimes I go back onto my blog, which is like collecting um, dust, right? And I look back and I think, oh my goodness, I wrote these like 1500 word essays sometimes, you know, talking about my experiences in a particular place. I never wrote for SEO <laughs> back in the day. I still do not write for SEO. Um, but it's just amazing to see, and, I, and I'll go through and I'll read through some of the comments. It's amazing to see how that particular form of storytelling resonated with people. And now a lot of, uh, you know, many will say that that blogging is dead, right? Um, because people don't read long form blogs anymore like they used to. A lot of that storytelling has moved to social media. And it's become very much a visual and an audio visual storytelling, right? Even if you look at Instagram, Instagram was a photo app back in the day. And now you can't scroll your feed without 99% of it being videos, right? So being a successful storyteller who will weather all of these changes, somebody who will be around, who will endure, it means that your storytelling is going to have to change the times. And it means that you're going to have to be really in tune with what people want. Once upon a time, I could write 1,500 word essays about, you know, my experience, you know, going to the, 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 the wet markets of Hong Kong or something like that. Now that's not going to fly. Like words and pictures, they're not going to fly. Like what people want is that audiovisual aspect, and they want it in a shorter, quicker format as well. Um, and so, what made a good story? I think fifteen years ago, a lot of those elements um, have changed, right? And they've evolved. And so, you you really have to keep up with the times um, and know who your your audience is. So once upon a time, I used to write a lot of like navel gazing type things, you know, longer form uh, stuff. But I find that the people who follow me now, the public, uh, the, the audience with whom I'm trying to communicate and connect, what they're looking for is they're looking for video. They want, they want to feel as though they are there themselves. And once upon a time, I could do that solely with words and still images. And now they want they want the video. They want they they want to hear. They want to um, see. They 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 want to have that kind of dynamism. You know that dynamic viewing and experiencing. Um, I guess platform, right? That kind of full sense immersion sort of thing. So I think um, that now video is is really king. Uh, when it comes to communicating, especially like travel stories. And, you know, it's interesting because 
Um, one of the projects that I've been working on is the About the Journey podcast for Marriott Bonvoy. Uh, really proud of that. We actually just won a um, a Society of American Travel Writers Award for, yes. I guess, it was Best Travel Podcast. So we won yes. a silver medal. Thank you so much. And um, that has kind of been a learning experience because we've just finished up season two of the podcast. And season two of the podcast really differs from season one because season one was very much, you know, a kind of a, a, a travel log, but more of a, I guess, traditional travel log, you know, kind of reflections, you know, talking, um, scripted, you know, heavily scripted sort of travel log. And now we've moved into having more conversations with people. So, so season one of the podcast was very much destination focused. So I would go to a particular place, like I would go to Memphis and I would tell you, you know, verbally, um, the sites and, and, then there would be like an audio component where you would hear the sounds of being in Memphis. And I would describe, you know, what street I was driving along and what I was seeing and, and all these different things. Um, and in season two, we kind of flipped the script and made it more of a podcast that was focused on the people in these places that we were going to, because we realized that on a human level, you know, listeners want to, to, to connect with the place, but they're usually going to connect with the place more so through the people who live there. So we started having more conversations with people. And this season of the podcast was really remarkable because we recorded the whole thing on the road. So we traveled to uh, six uh, cities in the U.S., and I actually, you know, did live interviews with the, with the people that we were featuring. Um, and so the audio that's being captured is me physically in those places. And we even captured video as well to like accompany, um, you know, some of the, the podcast episodes. And again, I think good storytelling, as I said before, is having the ability to tweak you know, it's, it's, it's having the humility to recognize that changes need to be made and that you can tell a better story and then really making those tweaks and those refinements so that you can have, you know, the op optimal connectivity <laughs> possible, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Amazing advice. Thank you. We actually dropped uh, a soulful Southern road trip from about the journey into the zero to travel feed last year uh, Love it. For, for season one. So we're, we're fans over here. Yeah. And that's, and that's the, the episode that won uh, an award. Nice. I to, um, a musician, Chris Stone, uh, Chris Stone King. And we had a really amazing conversation. And, th and that was one of the first episodes where we kind of broke away from our old format. And lo and behold, it won an award. So again, like really being in tune with what your public wants and being able to make those tweaks so that you're giving them what they want and they need, um, I guess will we'll pay off. Yeah. What is What do you like most about your work now? Oh my goodness. So many things. Um, I think, first of all, I love the, what's the right word? I love the agency that I have. 
So the the fact that I can wake up and decide what I want to do. I love that. I love being like an active agent <laughs> in in my destiny. I think that's really cool. I love being able to by heart decide the, the stories that I want to tell. Um I love putting the stories to ke- together and thinking about the best ways that I can craft a message to make it like really resonant and and make people really interested in it. And I think what I love most is that every single day looks different. Every day looks different. Every day looks different. I love that I'm doing so many different things from a podcast to managing my social media presence to working on TV projects for NBC to working on additional um, on-air projects that may be like digital, you know, they're not necessarily in that, that traditional TV format. I just love doing so many things um, and getting my brain to, to really stretch and exercise itself to like accomplish all of these different tasks and goals. So that, that really makes me happy. I, the, the thing I hate most is stagnating. You know, that, that honestly, like that makes me sad. Like when I feel like I'm stagnating, when I feel um, like I'm, I'm not doing something new, interesting, different, like I'm, I'm bored, I'm sad. So I love like the ability to, to just innovate and do different things and be creative. So that's what I love most about what I do. Yeah. I was starting, when you were saying that I was starting to think about, oh, you know, that's built into the travel experience, right? Like that idea of kind of seeing, yeah, totally. always doing and seeing new things and maybe yeah, that, in that newness, way travel. That freshness. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe it lends itself to entrepreneurship in, in some ways, I guess, For if sure. you think about it like that. Well, speaking of entrepreneurship, you know, making the leap from full-time job, steady salary, whether it's teaching in your case or something else to entrepreneurship, I would just wanted to hear your best advice. Maybe this would be advice you'd give your younger self. Maybe it's just, you know, your best advice now for anybody listening or whatever the case is? Yeah. So first of all, I would say to have, have some savings. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We don't want you out in these streets. I mean, (laughs) we want you out in these streets, but we don't want you like on these streets, like living on these streets. (laughs) Right. That's always key. Uh, And I would say have multiple streams of income because we are living in, in a, in a gig economy. So there are really so many opportunities to freelance and kind of do your things, you do your thing, but um, nothing, nothing is promised. So I think uh, a big part of being a successful entrepreneur is having multiple streams of income. And that's a, that's kind of a way of thinking ahead. I guess you could say, you know, having that money for a rainy day, realizing that, okay, if this particular avenue doesn't work out, you have another way to maneuver. You know, you have another well to draw upon. So multiple multiple streams of income for sure. Yeah, just thinking in those for terms sure. and how you can build things out, I guess. Yeah. Um, what about dealing with imposter syndrome? I, I bring this up a lot on the show because I feel like it's something everybody deals with at some point. And, and maybe, I don't know if you still actively deal with it, deal with it with certain things or if you have in the past or what your take is on the, on that. I'd just be curious because I think that's a big mental hurdle when it comes to entrepreneurship yeah. is kind of embracing like the not knowing and the unknown and, and just saying like, okay, I'm like, I might not be so great at this right now, but I'm going to do it anyway and put it out there and get better and work on the craft or whatever the case is. Yeah. How do you kind of advice do you give around that? 
Yeah, I think um, for me, it's completion over perfection. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, You know, I get kind of stuck in cycles of analysis paralysis where I'm like, well, what if it's not going to matter? You know, because I think I always strive to put out things of a high quality. And I often feel as though I'm competing with myself. So if I do something that's really good, I'm like, oh my goodness, can I replicate this again? For sure, yes. (laughs) Do I have the capacity to do this again? And then I I don't produce because I'm like, well, it's not going to be as good as that other thing. Um, So I always feel as though I'm competing against myself. Um, But what I'm realizing is, you know, sometimes something you don't think is that great, it could be like the best thing for somebody else. Um, so completion over perfection. Absolutely. Um, and (laughs) the more I'm in this industry, particularly, you know, media and and working in more traditional kind of media spaces and meeting people in different verticals, you know, not necessarily in travel, but like also like lifestyle, um, particularly in the influencer space. Oh my goodness. There's so many people just faking it until they make it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Sometimes, you know, it's really easy to get intimidated by, by somebody, by their supposed accolades or their follower count, their subscriber count, how many downloads XYZ has, you know, whatever products they're selling and all this. But oh my goodness. Something my husband always tells me is that, you know, you can't really take what people say or do at face value, because first of all, you don't, first of all, you don't even know what they did to get there. Secondly, you don't even know whether or not they're actually there. I mean, they could just be blowing smoke. Like they could <laughs> right, just be saying right. whatever the heck they want. <laughs> yeah. He always says, whatever they say, take away half. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> okay, the same uh, theory for packing, this, right? Like whatever. Yeah, you pack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is, this is me translating because he has a German accent. Like English is not his native language. So, you know, he says things sometimes a little bit crudely, but he's always like, whatever they say, take away half, you know, you, you, people could be telling you anything. Um, and so you could be intimidated by a figment of somebody's imagination. You could be intimidated by something that doesn't even exist. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really important to, you know, use people as inspiration, you know, use their success to drive you, but don't let it intimidate you. Mm. And the only person you should really be competing against is yourself. That's awesome advice. Always constantly striving to get better. Um, you know, but also recognizing where you've come from. I think I've had difficulty sitting back and realizing, wow, I've done all these things. You know, I, I have goals. I have lofty goals. I have a wish list. Um, but when I look back and I'm like, wait a minute, wow, you get to do this for a living. That's amazing. That's amazing in and of itself. So sometimes it's important to look at what we're doing with fresh eyes. Um, Maybe ask the people around you, you know, ask good friends, like what, what do they appreciate about you? You know, and uh, that, that can help you to gain some perspective perspective as well. I like, I saw on your social media, you do like the Instagram versus reality behind the scenes of the glamour shop. It's so cool. And I'm just wondering, you know, when it comes to the TV stuff, because I think, you know, a lot of people I work in travel, they're just like, of course, you have the dream of like you could imagine being a travel TV show. That would be incredible. Like, is there uh if you're doing like the dream job versus reality of being a travel television host, what 
what would you be showing us? <laughs> what what's the oh my reality? God. All of the waiting. All the waiting the is that the worst part? Okay, oh a lot of waiting my around. Gosh. You know, I I love being on camera. I love you know being on on screen and and communicating in that way, and it gives me a high. But what people don't see, unless you are doing a live show, unless you're doing like a live hit on television, there are hours and hours and hours of just waiting. You know, for every 22 minutes that you see on the television, that was filmed over days. They were very long shoot days. You know, I I had a shoot in New York uh, about 10 days ago. I was filming a series, like a, a digital series for Yahoo!, um, and what we filmed is going to be distilled down into like, I don't know, like, like 10, one minute segments or something like that. Right. Let's say a, a total of 20 minutes worth of content. Um, and I was on set, gosh, I was on set for like 12 hours. Get like 20 minutes of content. And keep in mind that, that was shot on a close, like in a closed studio. So it's not as though there were scenes or we had travel time to get between, you know, right. like yeah. one scene it was all to the there. other. Like, you were right there it was with everything. All there. <laughs> it, was, it was all there. And, you know, when I would shoot stuff for Travel Channel, again, it would be distilled. It would be like a week-long shoot. We would visit like 30 different locations in and around a particular city. And if you added up all of the minutes, because the, the segments were anywhere between like, let's say three and six minutes. And we would shoot maybe like five. It would it would be like, let's say 30 minutes worth of content. And it would be like a six, seven day shoot. So there's just a lot of waiting in between. There are a lot of retakes. Again, if it's not live, chances are it's 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 been you've repeated yourself. You know, you've walked through a doorway multiple times because camera A has to get you walking through like from the front view, and then camera B is gonna get you walking from the side. And like, you got to reset and you have to walk through the door like eight times to get, you know, a half second take, you know, again, like TV magic, people don't realize how much goes into production. Like when you see like a a multi-camera setup, you don't realize like how many takes it took for, for that particular shot to occur. And that's something that I've come to appreciate working on a number of productions, you know, small scale, larger scale. It's, there's a lot of waiting. (laughs) so i have to i have to say like as much as i love like putting you know like starring in these things and and putting this this sort of programming together and like the finished product looks amazing it's definitely a slog it's a slog to to film it and i love that's why i love live tv for that reason because if you mess up oh well them's the breaks you know i (laughs) I did a, a segment um at the beginning of August, I went to New York City. I, I did a segment for Today Show with Hoda and Jenna. And 30 seconds before I was about to go on air, because it's a live segment, they said to me, oh, we ran over time. So your five-minute segment is now going to be a three-minute segment. And I had to get through six items that were on a table, <laughs> <laughs> like travel hacks or whatever. Yeah. And they, they told me, they were like, yep, your segment has basically been cut in half. And you just gotta you gotta zoom through it, and right. and then that, and then it's over. It's really exhilarating. It can be nerve wracking, and then it's done. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's like it's going out. It is what it is. That goes back to the exactly. uh, completion exactly. over perfection. No matter, exactly. yeah, you don't have a choice, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
Now a quick word from our sponsors. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. Okay. What is your best piece of travel advice? Ooh. Uh, well, now that I have a kid, it's definitely expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, best piece of travel advice. Uh, I mean, if we're, if we're looking purely at the kind of like admin, like boring part, I guess, um, I would say always have a little bit of local currency on you. I mean, I love the plastic. I love using my card. I use my my credit card wherever I can because it's, it's easy to do so. Um, but it's always good to have a little bit of spare change on you and whatever local currency just... Because you never know if you're dealing with a, a vendor. Well, most you know local vendors aren't going to take a card, you know, depending on um, where you are, uh, like street vendors and whatnot. But um, yeah, I feel as though the internet has just revolutionized travel. It's really changed the ways in which I travel because you can you can just know so much. Once upon a time, you know, when I first started really traveling seriously in the early 2000s, I mean, I would go on the internet like once a week. So, I would the extent of my research would be like maybe I would buy a guidebook, usually not. And I would just like rock up to the place and like you know, wind up there and not have any like uh transportation sorted, not have any uh, accommodation for it, just kind of get there and figure things out. And in a way, I mean, the internet has made travel so much more accessible, but it's also taken a lot of the surprises out of it. Um, unfortunately, because you kind of know, you, I mean, you can do like a, you can do a walkthrough, you can watch a YouTube video and know what the souk in Morocco or in Marrakesh looks like before you get there sort of thing. 
So yeah, that element of surprises is kind of gone. But then that is probably one of my top tips is just research where you're going. <laughs> you know, and, and so you can do that because of because of the internet. So yeah, know what know what you're getting into. I think particularly if you're a sole female traveler. Yeah, no, like research. Research can never go wrong with research. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially for safety. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are some of the things that say that move your soul in some way that you see traveling or, or parts of travel that that move you? Mm, what moves me? What gets me geeked? I love cities. I love just seeing people in their natural sort of, I guess, <laughs> habitat, I guess. Like I'm, 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 I am not like, I don't like, uh, I am not a, um, a wildlife person. Like I, I, I don't know what the term is. It is called an ethnograph. I love, I just love being in cities. I love the pulse of a city. I love taking transportation, like public transportation or like walking in a city center and just seeing people do their thing. For me, that is a vibe. Mm. So what would be your three, like your three uh, must-see cities in your lifetime? Three to five, let's say. Oh my gosh, so difficult. But Hong Kong, I lived in Hong Kong for five years. I love Hong Kong. It is so interesting to me. I love walking through like the wet markets and I just, I just love Hong Kong and I miss it so much. I haven't been in over three years now just because their whole um, quarantine COVID situation, they're, they're trying to do a zero COVID um, policy, which I don't think is going to be successful. So it's, it's hard to enter the country, but um, Hong Kong is like one of my favorite countries in the world. I love the vibe of Hong Kong. Um, God, I love New York. I love New York so much. Again, I love the vibe of New York. Just it's so interesting. So many people running around, so many people doing interesting things. I love the smells. I love the accents, you know, the way people talk and relate to each other. I, I freaking love it. Um, and a third favorite city of mine. Ooh, I love Rio. Oh, I love That's Rio. That's where so I met my wife. Love, oh, really? I just yeah. I love what a beautiful city Rio is um, in terms of the topography, you know, seeing like these mountains in the background and the water. And then um, I love the the vibe like in the evenings, like a Thursday night and you go to Lapa, mm. you go to that area yes, where yes. they have the, uh, the steps. And I've been to Rio twice. and you know, going to Lapa on a, on a weekday or a weekend evening and people dancing, just people in the streets. I just, I get such a high off of that. And like, you know, seeing people like, like sambaing, like in the street. I mean, for me, that's incredible. So yeah. that vibe, is, <laughs> that vibe is crazy. Um, and then, you know, it's funny cause I lived in London and I didn't love it when I lived there. But now I've I've come to appreciate London and I'm flying to London next week. And I'm really excited to go to London because, um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I love these really, these big urban cities where you, you know, there's a really strong culture, but then there's also um, like a, a lot of different people from different places. I think, you know, as a, as a traveler, I, I thrive on like, 
that sort of diversity. I love seeing that kind of like, not melting pot, but I just love seeing like different people dressed up in different ways, different colors, different religions, you know, speaking different languages, doing different things. Like, I think that's really interesting for me. And I think um, you see that in London, you know, like being able to get like amazing Pakistani food in London. (laughs) <laughs> alongside yeah. your fish and chips yeah or last like time korean i was there appetite. i went to a yeah korean restaurant or something it yeah was so yeah. good i love the diversity in in some of these like major world cities um and seeing how people have come and like settled and how their culture uh, has um affected the the resident culture i think that to me is really interesting mm. Yeah, in a city like Rio and New York, maybe one other thing is that you mentioned like hearing and the, the samba music and seeing the dancers on the street. And of course, I was getting this crazy visual and I was thinking, wow, like, yeah, in some of those cities, maybe it's also that it's it's in the culture that it's just okay to get out and express yourself. Yeah. And I then think so it doesn't that. remain hidden, you know? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. I am somebody who gets really jazzed like I get excited when I see people doing something that they are passionate about. So, you know, when I go out to the club, I am not the girl who's holding up the the wall. Like I am on the dance floor and I'm probably battling somebody (laughs) on the dance floor. (laughs) And I just think again, like when I see people like dancing and like expressing themselves and like loving what they're doing, that gets me hyped up. Like I, I want to be, I'm inspired. I want to be a part of that. And so I think, that's probably why I love Rio because in the street, like you just see like a random person in a corner with like a boom box beside them or whatever, you know, dancing. Like I want to, I want to be that person. I want to watch them and learn from them. So that to me is very exciting. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the things that personally I love about your work and a lot of other people, I think, because your enthusiasm for what you do comes through in, in the different mediums and the storytelling and all the things you do. And so that that is inspiring seeing somebody you. you know doing the doing the thing that they love to do and and yeah just putting it out there it, it is. So what are three books everybody should read? Oh, this is hard. Three books. <gasps> oh, maybe one taste. if you could just yeah, I know it's a sort you know of a <laughs> question. <laughs> I feel like I am not the best person to ask because I like really weird kind of um like neo-gothic, dystopian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, that's okay. I mean, give us one. You're not going to get Kite Runner from me. Uh, I like these like weird, uh, like for example, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. See, I'm the type of person, like for example, like what I'm watching right now on Netflix is Dahmer. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. that's oh, it's so I dark. Like. I try. I couldn't. I like really dark. So, for example, oh. one of my favorite books, and it's it's horrible, but like we need to talk about Kevin. I love that book. Did you ever? Did you ever read that book? I think no. they made it into a movie. Okay. It's it's very dark. Lion Driver. It's it's very yeah. It's it's oh. about oh I see okay a boy. Yeah. yeah, it's about a boy who. <laughs> he basically, uh, yeah. yeah. I'll let your I'll let your uh, <laughs> listeners look that up because it's you like it's the horrible, darkness. Those are the type of books I like, or like <laughs> Wally Lamb. Um, that Wally Lamb novel. What is it called again? Uh, she's come well, undone. 
you would love uh, some of the Scandinavian fiction here because there's a lot I of would, crime. Yes, I like, I would, yeah, I would, even uh, yeah. during, over Easter, which sounds so counterintuitive, I guess. I don't know if that's the word, but they uh, love to watch crime here. Crime mm-hmm. is like crime mm-hmm. shows are all over TV uh, around Easter holiday. For some reason, it's a it's a thing with Easter, and I'm just like, I, I couldn't understand. I'm like, really, it's a Easter and cr- Easter crime. They call it like Easter crime. Hey, let's watch some Easter crime. I'm like, okay, I, I guess we're gonna watch some murders now. <laughs> I like dark, um, dark <laughs> love it. <laughs> what is one of your most treasured travel memories? Ooh, uh, actually, that's a, a pretty easy one. Um, it was 2004. I traveled. It was one of my first kind of big trips, I guess you could say. I was living in France. I was doing a a study abroad exchange. It was my third year of university. I was living in France for the year. And I traveled with a friend and we did a two-week train journey through France, Portugal, and Morocco. We had no plan. We just had like a little interrail book, like one of those little schedules. Uh, We had no idea where we were going. We were broke, you know, broke university students. And um, we took a train ride from France to Lisbon. And when we got to Lisbon, we met two other young people traveling on the train. And then we just ended up traveling with them for two whole weeks. And we had incredible adventures. We ended up like taking a ferry over to Morocco. It was my first time in Africa. And we had an amazing time. And that is probably one of the best trips I've ever done in my life. Just because... It was like, expect the unexpected, expect the unexpected. I had no idea what was coming up next. I didn't prepare anything. Um, It also helped that like one of the people we were traveling with, like we met uh, a guy and a girl, they were cousins and they were traveling and the guy and I kind of had like a little bit of a fling, you know, over the two weeks. So, you know, like young love and all the magical things. Just doing all these things. Yeah. And like seeing all these really cool things and not really being well traveled so just not just not having any real inhibitions it was just an amazing amazing trip uh, some of the the most pivotal or i guess the most i guess impactful some of the most impactful uh trips I, i've heard throughout just hosting this podcast uh, is you know a lot a lot of them come when you know people like they have no money or they were broke yeah, or they fifty dollars in their pocket or they oh met God, some now, you know it's just like it's beautiful half an hour on, on trip advisor looking like do they have, can I get a, cr- a cot or crib? Like, it's a different vibe now. Before it was like, oh, we have enough. Now it's like, we have enough money for a plane ticket or like a train ticket. Let's just go and just figure things out along the way. And now everything is just way more calculated. But yeah, I, I, I miss those days of traveling, being young, kind of stupid and uh, doing, just doing whatever. I, you know, that trip to Morocco, we slept in hammocks on the rooftops of like, I guess, hostels in Marrakesh for like two US dollars. We didn't have a lot of money. And so we'd sleep on the rooftop in a, in a hammock. I don't even know if they do that anymore. I mean, I, I was just in Marrakesh. It's my fourth time in Marrakesh uh, last month. Um, but yeah, like when I went for the first time, basically 20 years ago, that was the experience I had. So... Mm. Beautiful. Well, I hope that we can 
do this again very soon and not I, do I have to wait six years to talk to you again like no! this? Can we, <laughs> I don't want to do this every six years. I want to do it more if that's possible. I know you're busy. I but... <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate your time. And if you want to share uh, any of the links or any of the things where you want to, people to come find you, go sure, for it. Sure. So I am... Onika Raymond. And uh, if you want to find out more about me, you can hit me up on my website. That's www.onikaraymond.com. That's O-N-E-I-K-A Raymond.com. And uh, if you want the most up-to-date happenings in my world, you can absolutely follow me on Instagram. Uh, and my handle is Onika Traveler, and that's Traveler with two L's because I am Canadian. <laughs> and subscribe. <laughs> so awesome. it's Onika Traveler with two L's. Awesome. Thank you so much. Let's do this again soon if we can. Yes, come, to Nor- yes. come back to Norway. Come on, you got to come to the yeah, east side next what? time. I, I actually really do because I went so many years ago, and I was only I only went to like Bergen. Um, so I I want to 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 see more. Please yes. do. Oh, we'll have yes. to do this in person next time. All right. Yes, that'd be so awesome. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. There you have it. Special thanks to Onika Raymond for stopping by the show. She's busy. She's on the go. She's got a lot going on. And I love that she took the time to share her advice and wisdom here today with us. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and We got a few more things to wrap up before we let you go. I got to give a shout out to somebody in this community who brought up a struggle that I hadn't thought about for a while. And I thought, well, hey, I'll read this email. Maybe this is something for you to think about, depending on where you are uh, in terms of planning for your upcoming travels. Maybe you're out on the road now, if you are. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, This email came from Rose, who said, Hi, Jason. I want to thank you for the podcast. Five years ago, I had found a job and gotten a house with my husband. I realized I wasn't so fond of the American dream. We went on a walk after a Florida rainstorm, and my husband started asking me what I would actually want out of life. And we realized what I wanted was more travel. So I started making that a priority and listening to your channel and working on saving for a gap year. Then the pandemic hit. Hit me hard because that gap year was out. I felt hopeless but we found a way to adjust our timeline and still ended up living for a van in a van, excuse me, for five months, island hopping Hawaii and visiting Kenya, Thailand, Cambodia, and Korea. I want to thank you for the encouragement I felt and the things that I learned while listening to the podcast. That is awesome. Okay, she goes on and says, also, I know you've asked people about their feelings while leaving behind life behind to travel, but I think it could be a good podcast idea to focus on the feelings you can struggle with while long-term traveling. I've traveled much more than my husband, and he was shocked to have to handle big feelings like aimlessness and homesickness in such deep ways. I think sometimes new travelers only see the excitement and don't prepare for the endurance it takes to be gone from what you know and outside your normal routines. I'd love to participate if you ever want to make a podcast on that. Thank you, Rose. Thanks for the offer there, too, at the end. You know, I just wanted to read this email because it is something to think about right? Especially if you're in a partnership, you're traveling with a friend, or maybe it's you. You're the one that may be concerned about how you might feel uh, being out on the road for an extended period of time if you've never done it before. Of course, there's no way to know. And it's not something that should stop you. 
I want to be adamant about that. I think it's actually a very good thing to face big feelings. I think that's one of the things that travel can do. It can force you to kind of face big things that are easy to ignore in your daily routines. Brings up a lot of big questions, you know, about the world, of course, and, and, and different places, but also about yourself. And I, I thought it was pretty uh, telling that she used the term shocked, that her husband was shocked to have to handle such a big feeling. So I thought I'd read this because maybe this is something you haven't thought of. Uh, maybe you have a partner or a friend you're traveling with or you're planning to travel with, and this might be something to discuss as part of the pre-planning phase. Just something to acknowledge, something to think about. One of the other words she used was aimlessness. That can be a challenge when you're used to such a structured daily life and then all of a sudden you have all of that freedom. Well, there's a lot of ways to look at it. You can look at it like, hey, total freedom. This is incredible. I can do whatever I want all the time and just like embrace that and run with it. That's some people's personality. Other people might feel like, hey, I'm totally aimless. I don't know what I'm doing. Everybody's brain works differently. So a lot to unpack in this email. I just wanted to bring up some of those themes, pull them out and give you a little bit to think about for yourself or for a friend or whatever, uh, and just throw it out there. So thanks, Rose, for starting that discussion. Of course, I am going to leave you with a quote today before I let you go. That's going to be from a listener as well. But first, a little segment we call Encouraging Travel News. Every year, a FAR magazine, it's a magazine I, I love, they put out the Travel Vanguard, it's called. And in the 2022 Travel Vanguard, they share 10 visionary companies that are changing the way we travel. I'll leave a link to this in the show notes. And well, a couple things I wanted to highlight here. You know, maybe it's no coincidence that I live in Norway. And the last encouraging travel news segment a few episodes ago included some news from Norway. And here we are with Norway again, getting a shout out, Innovation Norway. This is actually a government-owned entity that helps entrepreneurs. They, they really are focused on innovation and helping Norwegian businesses grow. And they were a part of the Sustainability is Responsibility Summit that was hosted by the United States Tour Operators Association in conjunction with Innovation Norway uh, last year, earlier this year, I should say. And at the summit, I'll read this from afar.com uh, and we'll link to the article. Quote, at the summit, Innovation Norway shared the practical logistics of meeting its climate goals, including how to navigate financial and government hurdles. Norway, a world leader in sustainability, is tackling climate change with metrics that have been approved by the Global Sustainable Tourism Council. The country aims to end all sales of new gasoline vehicles by 2025. And today, thanks to tax incentives, more than half of the new cars purchased in Norway are electric. By 2026, Western Norway's fjords will only allow zero-emission electric ferries, cruise ships, and tourist boats. By 2030, the capital city where I live, of Oslo, plans to have lowered 95% of its carbon emissions. We are in the first stage of building a sustainability community that will move forward for the next 50 years, says Terry Dale, president of the USTOA, the Travel Trade Association, representing close to $19 billion in revenue and $9.8 million annual travelers. Everyone was very transparent and honest and willing to share. So a good bit of travel news there. Also, they finished this part of the article. I said, quote, there's a term in Norway called dugnad. That means everybody on deck, she says. We all must help 
make this happen. You need constant education and a constant reminder that even small things can make a big difference, end quote. And that's how they finished that little piece of the article. And, and I wanted to include that as well because that is at the heart of this, right? This is the crux here. Like we, we think our small things don't make a difference, but if everybody does the small things, obviously it makes a huge difference. And that's what the segment's about. Just sharing this news, getting it into our all of our brains as a reminder where things are heading, where we want them to head. And I love that they shared some of the practical logistics at this meeting behind reaching the climate goals because just thinking about it and talking about it doesn't do anything. We actually have to take action. So I'm trying to be even more psycho than normal about um, recycling and things like that. I actually just went to the Milio station today. It's the um, recycling station to turn in like you know, an old blender I have that doesn't work anymore and, you know, just properly recycle things. So there are these small things we can do as individuals to kind of just do the best we can to take care of our own waste and things like that. So anyway, wanted to give a shout out there. And also a quick shout out to Intrepid Travel. They're actually going to be part of an upcoming show here on this podcast. In 2010, the tour company became Carbon Neutral. And in 2018, they became the travel industry's largest B Corporation, that is a certified social enterprise. So leading the charge in the tour company space, in the travel space, and we need companies like this that are leading the charge, taking action, keeping things moving in the right direction. So there you go, a bit of encouraging travel news. Okay, I'll let you go here with a quote. Thanks for listening, by the way. Thanks for being a part of this global community. You are not alone, my friend, when you join the pod, and I, I so appreciate your presence here. Please, just one last reminder to get in touch if you have any questions or you just want to say hi, share a story, share a travel tip. I love including content from listeners here, and so please get in touch anytime. Now, this was a quote emailed to me by Mackenzie, and the quote is from Napoleon Hill, who said, you are the master of your destiny. You can influence, direct, and control your environment. You can make your life what you want it to be. Leave you with that. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Cheers. Peace and love to you and yours. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.